podcast, Sean. Mr. Joshua Fields Milburn, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. How you holding up? You uh, you quarantined? Oh, I haven't killed Jordan yet, so I guess that's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, well, hey, I was hoping to talk to you today just about about it's weird man it's i never thought you this sentence would come out of my mouth but i've been thinking about buying a gun and and let me let me talk to you about why that i mean i've always obviously wanted to defend my family i I feel comfortable with where i live i don't live in a dangerous neighborhood although i've lived in dangerous semi-dangerous neighborhoods in the past Mm -hmm. and and even then i i didn't feel necessarily compelled i don't know why but but then I got this article from Ryan. Um, this is, what's it called? Starting Tuesday, Cincinnati PD won't respond to in-person for these calls. Won't respond in-person for these calls. So this is from Channel 9 News Cincinnati. You and I both used to work in, in Cincinnati. Yep. And this this is terrifying. I I mean, I understand the Second Amendment. In fact, I was just on the phone with T.K. Coleman. We were talking about how I think something like five of our first eight amendments are being violated currently. Mm. And um, uh, what was it? The It was the First Amendment, the Fourth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, the Sixth Amendment, and the Eighth <laughs> Amendment are all potentially being violated. That's, that's what the list I came up with. Uh, T.K. Uh, uh, didn't. But um, the Second Amendment isn't being violated right now that I know of, although, I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of people that could make an argument if they're closing down gun stores as non-essential businesses, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not so worried about that. And I, I'm also not worried about, uh, using a gun to, uh, fend off the government. Although I understand there people are, and there's plenty of arguments for that. I'm not, not arguing against that either. That that's not what I'm concerned about. What I'm concerned about is this article in particular is almost an invitation to to criminals because here are the here's a list and then I'll let you talk. Um, mm. Here's a list of the things that that um, the police in Cincinnati, which is a relatively dangerous city, um, here's what they aren't responding to right now: uh, assault reports where there is no medical attention necessary, um, breaking and entering reports. So, so think about this, Sean. Theoretically, I could break into your house mm-hmm. and smack you around enough that you didn't require an ambulance, but it still hurts you. And the police aren't going to show up for that. Uh, that th- that's unbelievable to me. The police wouldn't show up for breaking and entering plus assault. Mm-hmm. Um, what else here? Criminal damaging report. So I could also, I guess, uh, I don't know, rip your couch to shreds and, and flatten your tires. And uh, dog bites, uh, so I could sick my Rottweiler on you as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, lost property, okay, I can get that. If you lost something, maybe the police don't want to show up during a pandemic. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, lost or stolen license plates, that's weird. So on my way out of your house, I steal your license plates. <laughs> um, uh, menacing reports, uh, okay. Uh, phone harassment, that. Okay. Uh, property damage. Oh, all right. So I destroy your house on, on the way out as well. Um, it's very, very strange that they wouldn't show up for this terrifies me. Uh, and I don't, I'm not panicked at all, but when I, when I see this, I think, well, of course I need to be able to defend myself. And so I was hoping to talk to you about 
you you are um, a gun owner, a very responsible gun owner, and in fact, I think the the argument for gun own ownership, you are sort of the the poster child in a way. Um, for it makes sense if everyone were were like you, they then we wouldn't even need to worry about the all of the the laws and and regulations, etc. Because you are well trained, you have permits you uh, have a concealed carry permit etc um but but there's a lot of confusion around this topic isn't there oh yeah um absolutely uh i think uh, first and foremost and i appreciate you saying that uh with me being a responsible gun owner is uh i think there's too often a misconception and some of this has been media driven that um uh, guns are strictly an aggressive tool and, and that sh- uh, should not be the case. Right. I, um, and that's part of the problem. Um, you know, I've always uh, viewed them as a defensive tool, um, you know, strictly for protection. Um, right. And I, and I think that's part of the problem out there and why a lot of people have a mis- uh, have kind of been misguided and have a misunderstanding or misconception uh, about, uh, you know, about guns. Um I think that article you brought up from uh, Cincinnati um, is one of the strongest arguments a lot of us as gun owners have had about gun ownership. And that is that uh, if I could carry uh, or have a police officer accompany me everywhere or like uh, politicians and government officials and famous people have armed guards, then obviously I I wouldn't need a gun. So, you know, they have the gun. I don't need it. Um, And that's... um, kind of the, the hypocrisy we see, you know, with a lot of our uh, leadership that if they go around with armed guards and then they say, oh, well, you know, no one else needs guns. Well, right. Yeah. And those, those armed guards are, are, are also, I mean, they tend to be trained and, and that's one of the problems I have with going gun ownership. Uh, a lot of the times in this country right now, especially I hear that there's, there are literally the, there was a, there's a gun shop up in um, Burbank where there's a line down the block to get in. And, you know, you have every, uh, uh, Tom and, and Susan who are walking in there who are completely untrained and they can uh, walk out of there with a shotgun immediately. They can, they can get a handgun with whatever the waiting period is. I, I don't know, 12 days, something like that. Um, and, and, but then they, they may have never fired a shot in their lives. They may not know how to clean the gun, mm. how to handle the gun. And, in, in a way that actually makes us a bit less safe in a way. Right. And, and so it, it's not that you have, you're an advocate for gun ownership. It seems that you're an advocate for responsible gun ownership. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Correct. And you're, um, uh, and it's, di- it differs by state. I, sh- I should state, uh, you talked about the uh, wait period, the wait period in California is 10 days. Um, okay. and, and that's a good thing. Um, I, uh, I, but I want to be clear because a lot of people want to go out and get a gun today and that's, that's just not going to happen. And so we should be clear about that. And then it's a safety thing, you know, it's uh, to give them time to uh, do proper background checks on you. And part of it is uh, some people like, like you've pointed out today are kind of having a knee jerk reaction to going and purchasing a gun because they're like, Oh my God, you know, things are going to get really bad. I need to get a gun. Um, so it gives you some uh, pause time there with that. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and, and by the way, I feel like my, my initial reaction is a bit of a knee jerk reaction Although that's why I'm having conversations like this, mm. so it's not just, uh, oh, let me let me go ahead and rush to the store. It's like I want I want to be able to 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 be informed. So so maybe talk to me about the difference between the the if I go to a gun store and 
you know, you hear about the the gun show loophole. What, yeah. what, what's what's this whole thing? Okay, because I, I don't know anything about it. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, well, we'll start with the uh, um, uh, going to a, a gun shop, a licensed gun store. Uh, most of these also have um, ranges, indoor ranges with them. Some have outdoor ranges too. So my recommendation, uh, if someone's going to go, uh, these gun shop owners, uh, by, by and large, are very responsible people. Uh, they will uh, give you guidance as far as you know what, uh, what might be best for you based on what your, your needs and wants are um, in a weapon. Uh, but I would suggest uh, going, a lot of these places will allow you to rent a gun to use on their range, you know, within their, their uh, property. Um, and that's a good way to kind of get used to different weapons to see what, what would be ideal for you. And there's always a, what they call a safety range officer, uh, that's on duty as well to make sure everyone's using the range safely and using the weapon safely. Um, and they'll be happy to help you, you know, uh, uh, properly, you know, uh, have safety protocol with the weapon. So, so what, what kind of training do you recommend for someone? Uh, I mean, obviously you, you have extensive training, but if someone is thinking about buying, buying a gun, whether it is at a store or we, we could talk about the gun show thing as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we'll come back to that. and I, cause I do worry about the, the gun show thing. If, if you, if I can just go buy a, a gun with no background check, then, then that, that's a concern of mine. Um, but not not for me. Like I'm not concerned about myself. I'm mm. concerned about just if a random person can go buy a gun with with no background check. Mm. But what kind of training do you recommend if if someone does does purchase a, a handgun? Uh, well, after uh, like I said, appropriately, um, uh, you know, use use the gu- uh, gun store uh, operator owner and the range officer to kind of get you used to what you think will be best for you. Um, and then as far as training goes, uh, I always highly recommend, uh, if, if they're available, concealed carry classes. They're usually uh, run by um, either present or former law enforcement officers who are very aware of not only the safe use of the weapon, but also the laws within your area regarding uh, firearms, uh, which is crucial to know, you know, as far as uh, things like, um, uh, for example, in California, uh, tends to be a little bit more strict, right? It's very difficult to get a concealed carry a permit license, and we don't have open carry in California. Um, the concealed carry permit um, here, you basically have to prove that someone is stalking you and, uh, and intends uh, uh, bodily harm. Um, sort of like a death threat situation. Exactly. Yeah, you have to show you have to prove it without a shadow of a doubt, and and even then, it's hard to to get a concealed carry uh, license in, in California. So it's very hard to carry it outside the house. However, they do have a strong, what they call castle doctrine here, um, as well as many other states had this. And it basically says that you can have a firearm within your home. And if someone were to break in, as long as you give warning to that person, you know, and take cover, um, basically you have to say, uh, get out of my house. I have a weapon and I will use it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, at that point, you know, you're, you're well protected. You're well within your rights then to, to fire the weapon if, if necessary to protect yourself and your family. Um, well, and and that's, that protection thing is, mm-hmm. is, is this is sort of the great equalizer. Mm-hmm. I was talking to, to my wife about this and it, Bex is a, is a pretty strong woman. She, she exercises regularly and, and she is, uh, I mean, she, she lifts weights. Uh, she's super healthy, but, if a 300 man, a 300 pound man assaults her, she doesn't have a shot at defending herself. 
But if she has if she has a gun, it seems to me that that is the great the great equalizer. Yeah, correct. And also um, uh, what we in the gun community call a distance weapon, um, uh, be it that, uh, you know, that the argument could be made. You could carry, you know, like a stun gun or you can carry a knife or but these are close quarter weapons. Right. The uh, your people are going to make contact with you before you can use something like that, whereas a gun keeps distance between you and, and the assault, uh, assaulter. Um, so, so, so what is the argument against uh, gun ownership here? If, if we had to steel man the, the argument, mm-hmm. it, it seems to me that the, the greatest, the greatest argument against gun ownership is, I mean, I, we could talk about certain weapons that no one should own, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we all agree that no one should own a, a nuclear bomb, <laughs> Uh, individually, right, and then and then there are just gradations between that and a uh, musket, right? And, mm-hmm. and I don't think anyone has a problem with people owning muskets, probably. <laughs> uh, maybe there are a few a few people who do, but um, and then in between there, we 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 make these distinctions where uh, you can't own a AK forty seven or or a fully automatic machine gun, correct? Um, uh, with exception. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, some people are grandfathered in, I assume, right? Uh, well, there's it's 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 kind of crazy. Uh, just to kind of clarify on that, because that's a good point that you bring up. Um, fully automatic weapons um, are not illegal in the United States, which is kind of a misconception. Uh, you can get a fully automatic weapon; they're very difficult to get. And in order to own one legally. You have to obtain a license from the federal government, which costs ten thousand dollars. Oh wow! So most of the time, people that get them are exhibitors. That is, they mm. um, go to gun ranges and they uh, charge people, allow people to fire like a, a fully automatic weapon to feel what it, uh, you know, to get a feel for what it feels like to do so. Um, but it's yeah, it's very very difficult to do that, and that's why that whole uh, very rare. It yeah, like. yeah, and that's why. When you and I kind of talked about this before, and I had a brief note about AR-15s because there was such a misconception about what an AR-15 is. Well, um, we think it's an assault rifle, but you were telling me that's actually not what AR stands for. That, yeah, that's correct. That's a um, that's more media hype. Um, you know, aggregating eyeballs. They called uh, they say AR stands for assault rifle uh, 15, which is incorrect. Um, it was actually originally manufactured by a company called Armalite. Um, mm. So their designation was AR Armalite Rifle 15. Mm. That was their de- designation for the weapon. And then the media picked up on it and it was easy to say, oh, AR stands for assault rifle, which is uh, is inaccurate to call it an assault rifle uh, because um, it's uh, a true assault rifle would be a fully automatic weapon used for military use. And it's and it's mm-hmm. not. It's a semi-automatic weapon. And the difference is. Uh, semi-automatic weapons, which which are legal in the United States, you know, uh, that we can obtain. Uh, every time you pull the trigger, a single bullet is is fired. Or right, but I'm not... Yeah, it, in a fully automatic weapon, you pull the trigger and it goes until the clip or the uh, the magazine is empty. Um, yeah, so when you think think of the gangster movies... Uh, right, they, like they, Tommy they have the Yeah, yeah, or Uzis or something. Right. Those are... But I do worry about, I mean, it does seem to me that uh, in many cases, uh, these weapons, even if they weren't illegal, they seem inappropriate. Like it'd be, if I went out and bought an AR-15 for myself, that seems radically inappropriate for me. Uh, I don't, I don't have a, 
a particular use for that. But I, I'm not questioning whether or not someone someone might. It looks scarier than mm-hmm. than your average rifle, right? But it is. It, it sounds like it is a rifle, although. There are some instances. I mean, I guess the argument against the AR-15 isn't the the rifle itself. It seems to me that it's the amount of bullets that you can you can fit uh, into. Uh, you know, it's not like a you, a conventional rifle where you would just chamber a few bullets, right? It, right. it has large magazines. Uh, yeah, with uh, with some exception, uh, with depending on states' regulations. Um, some states, of course, regulate high-capacity magazines, uh, which would be anything over typically 10 rounds. Um, so, yeah, that's – other than that, it, functionally, it, it's it's essentially a hunting rifle uh, that looks a lot scarier um, and can have higher-capacity magazines depending on your state's uh, rules. Of course, in the California, it would be very limited. Uh, then some other states, uh, not as much, particularly like Western states with a lot of room to, to go out and do things like that. Like Wyoming tends to uh, be very uh, um, uh, free with free and loose with their, well, I guess that's inaccurate to say. I mean, there are regulations, but, you know, they tend to uh, be a little looser with that. Montana is another state that's a little bit looser with some of that. Um, yeah, I mean, those two states have the most guns per capita, I believe. Um I think Montana has something like sixty-two yeah. uh, percent of households have have uh, guns. Um, well, if we wanted to wrap this up, and, and what, what recommendations do you make if someone is thinking about this, or someone is saying, "I think that your guns are bad or evil," what? How do we? How do we? How do we look at this in a a, a safe and adult sort of way that is not politically charged mm. or 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 filled with uh, with emotion? Yeah, I think it's good to, uh, for those that are unsure, um, I'm sure they have a friend or family member, loved one that, that, that does have guns or has experience with guns that could go to the gun store with them, to a gun range with them, uh, kind of get them acclimated to, to, to wet, uh, firearms and firearm safety. Um, I would say that that's a good, that's a good start there. Um, when looking at weapons, uh, some considerations to make, um, especially we talk briefly about AR-15s that's kind of impractical from the standpoint of uh, uh, personal safety to the, for something that you can carry with you. Um, so they'll want to look at uh, revolvers or, or uh, automatics. Uh, those are really the two different handguns that you have. Um, revolvers, just simply put revolvers are typically what you see like old West or um, six shots. Yeah. Yeah. Six shooters, five shooters, um, the advantage with revolvers is they tend to be easier to clean and maintain. Uh, they mm. tend not to misfire. Um, so if you get what's called a squib load, uh, where the, uh, cartridge itself, the, uh, we call them cartridges, it's, it's a bullet. Um, if it, uh, happens to misfire in a round with a revolver, you simply go to the next round, you know, it just clicks to the next round and, and you fire that, uh, with an automatic automatics actually eject the empty cartridge. So after you fire mm-hmm. a bullet, it ejects the empty cartridge. Well, the problem there can be, uh, if you get what's called like a squid lobe, which is like a misloaded cartridge, it can get uh, stuck in the slide. And then when it gets stuck in the slide, it prevents the slide from putting the next round in. So if you're in the middle of, uh, you know, if you're in the middle of using this and trying to defend yourself, you could get off two shots and then that third shot could get, could lock the slide down and it ejects when it tries to eject. Uh, 
And then you're sitting there fooling around with the side trying to get this empty cartridge out to fire the next bullet. Um, so uh, revolvers tend to be a little bit more reliable in that way, but they don't have as high as um, high a capacity as a clip. Typically with a clip, you can do um, eight. Uh, normal is about eight rounds, and then you can put what they call one in the pipe, which just uh -huh. means you're carrying with one actually loaded already and ready to go. Um, and it sounds to me like you're talking about, I mean, there's a, at least tangentially you're talking about, there's, there, no matter what weapon you purchase, if you mm -hmm. decide that's the route you want to go, there are definite safety concerns. And, mm -hmm. and we, we need to act like responsible adults and realize that these are tools that people use to defend themselves, mm -hmm. but they can also kill other people or yourself if you're not careful. Yeah, very easily. And that's it. That's the other thing. And the importance of like, you know, safety course, because they're going to teach you basic things like uh, <clears throat> you, you want to make sure whenever you take it out of a case, even if you were the one that put it in the case, let's say, and locked it up, you always have to, uh, what they call breach the weapon. That is, you need to uh, take and make sure that it's not loaded um, in the case of automatics, you take the clip out and you pull the slide back to make sure there's nothing in there. That's been a common accident amongst a lot of gun owners that they don't breach the weapon to make sure that there's nothing within the barrel itself and people accidentally fire them. Um, they teach you, you know, basics like you never point it at anything you don't intend to shoot, even if you don't have your finger in the trigger guard, which you never should, unless you're going to fire the weapon. They also teach you that, I mean, basic safety things. Um, and also locking up the, the, the weapon so it's out of reach uh, from other people and especially um, out of reach from, from children. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's, and there's a lot of different options for that depending on what you want to do. Um, some people keep two separate gun safes, one for the weapon and then a separate one for ammunition. Um, I tend to go with uh, they have these things called a quick draw, um, a quick draw safes. And basically what this safe is is it allows me to keep a loaded weapon within the safe. And then there's a fingerprint uh, reader and I can put my, and you can keep it by your bed. You put your fingerprint on the reader and then it has a, a, a quick, um, a, a spring loaded door that drops down quickly. So you can reach in and grab the loaded weapon. Um, I tend to do that uh, simply because keeping the gun and the ammunition in separate places, especially if you're using it for defense, uh, doesn't make sense. Right. Um, you're not going to have time if somebody breaks into your place to get up, go to two different safes, right? Get your gun, get your ammunition, right. and then load the weapon in time. You need something that's loaded and ready to go, and they do have safe, you know, safe options for that. Um, and that would be my recommendation for people that are using for for defense, especially within their home. Um, and then there's a you know some other considerations of course with concealed carry. Uh, one of the strongest ones, uh, and, th and they should teach you this in a concealed carry class. People want to consider what they call caliber, and that's the size of the bullet. Um, different guns are different calibers. Uh, typically, they tell you never go uh, above what the local police department uses. Most police departments use 40 cal's, uh, usually Glocks. Um, they're fairly reliable pistols. Um, so you want to, you want to find out what your local police department uses and get less than that. Uh, the reasoning being, and you never want to go below what they call nine, nine millimeter or three eighties, because you want something that has some degree of stopping power, because if you're going to use it for defense, uh, mm -hmm. using something small, like a 22 is not going to stop anybody from uh, going after you. You need something a little stronger. So they say never go below a nine millimeter or three eighty. And then uh, never go larger than your local police department because 
the one time you ever have to use it, let's say your local police department uses 40 cals, 40 calibers, mm-hmm. and you buy a 45, what could happen if you used it in self-defense, uh, because you're always arrested, um, that's just protocol. You know, if you ever are, even in a self-defense uh, situation, you are always arrested. You're always put um, uh, on, uh, typically you could end up on trial especially to kill, mm-hmm. kill somebody, you know, in, in self-defense. And then what will happen is the prosecution will try to argue if you have something larger caliber than the local police department, that your intent was to kill somebody, not defend yourself because you had a higher caliber than the local police department. It's a weird thing. It's something that's come up in every course I've ever taken that, mm-hmm. that they always recommend uh, what the police department has or less. Um, so it's something well, important of- to consider. Bottom line is is this is not a decision people want to take lightly. Mm. I certainly understand yeah. arguments on on both sides. I also understand the fear on on both sides. People, the fear of wanting to defend your family, but also the fear of weapons that that kill a lot of people uh, accidentally or mm. people that shouldn't shouldn't uh, that, that uh, weren't doing anything wrong and, and shouldn't have been killed, especially children Mm -hmm. and and so this is something that you know we we certainly can't take lightly Mm -hmm. um and i'm i'm personally still on the fence i I look forward to some more conversations about this sean but i I appreciate your time man thank you yeah no thank you i really appreciate it i hope i help somebody uh out there in some small way